It's, I usually I get to do this about four or five times a year, and then um, it's kind of become a nice rhythm where um, I usually text Dad a couple months before it, and I just said, hey, how about I preach the Sunday before Christmas so you can uh, preach the, the one after, but we both prepare this week so that he gets next week off, um, or gets this week at Christmas, so we, gets to be, um, we get to be doing family stuff all week, and that'll be fun for us, but he gets to be focused on that and not having to try to develop a message or anything like that. So hopefully you use this week wisely, and use your time wisely, and, uh, and uh, in between your making Chex Mix batches and all the other things, you uh, are prepared for next week. So... Um, yeah, just excited to, to dive in. We have been journeying through, as we do every year in our church calendar, through the Advent season. And uh, what I think is really cool is church and non-church alike, um, we take this time, and, and Christmas is a big deal. And so for some of us, we look forward to I, I think everybody, regardless of where your stance is with Jesus, um, we look forward to Christmas, and we look forward to it for a number of reasons, anywhere from varying to like, wow, what a sacred and special time that we get to anticipate and look forward to, and then some of us are looking forward to it in the sense of, I just want to get through it, and I want to get it over with, and those are kind of the ends of the spectrum, and people fall in between, and some years are one more, more one than the other, but but regardless, we are at this point in our calendar year where we're celebrating this Advent, this time of, of, of waiting. And we could be waiting for um, the, the celebration of the Christ child, or we can be waiting for December 26th to just say, weathered another one. And there's a lot of reasons why we might feel that in place. My hope is that at the end of today, our hearts would be more towards that side of waiting um, and anticipating the celebration of the Christ child. So, um, because as Christians, we, we, we who call ourselves followers of Jesus, um, we're celebrating the birth of Christ when he took on flesh with an ultimate mission of eliminating this chasm that we had developed between God and humankind. There was this, this unbridgeable gap unless he stepped in. And we celebrate him saying, no, not unbridgeable in my book. I don't know if that's a word, but it works, right? You get it. Not unbridgeable in my book. But we also are celebrating, and we're preparing our hearts, and we're, we, we are anticipating a second advent, that he will be coming again, that it, wasn't, it didn't just end with this cute little narrative of a baby, which was so much more than that, but it comes, it, it, it comes full circle when he comes again. And so we, we celebrate and we anticipate this second advent. And so we've been taking one focus each week, and we've been looking at him and kind of um, just as we lead up to Christmas as part of an invitation to prepare him room. That's been kind of my phrase where the Lord has really ministered to me this holiday season. Prepare him room in our hearts and in our lives so that we might be really ready to say yes to the Holy Spirit's invitation in our own lives. And so as we go through, I, I can probably tell by the length of which ones they're burnt for, but the first week we did hope. Okay, this one's the most burnt, so I'm guessing we started there. No one would know a difference anyway, except Dad. So week one we talked about hope, and it, it is a hope that does not disappoint, period. 
okay? We talk so much, this world is all about like just positivity, and it's not positivity for positivity's sake. We, we We can be positive because we have a confident hope and a hope that will not disappoint. My goodness, you can think right now, just pause and think, when is a time in your life when you've had to hold on to that? So the next week we looked at peace. And peace is just this settling that is ultimately we know that we, we can have this confidence that, rooted, that is rooted in he is good and he is in control. And if he is good and he is in control, those two things work out really, really favorably for us. Is the pink one last? Because this is the one that hasn't been burnt yet. Maybe the pink, what, what was the pink one, Hope? Pink joy. joy. Oh, good. I don't know why. Why, why is uh, Joy going to be pink? Do you know that? Right? Everybody knew that, right? Obviously. Come on now. Pink was the, the color of our bridesmaid dresses and our wedding color, so that's really fitting. I like that. I like that pink and joy are associated with each other. By the way, hi, Joy. Welcome home. <laughs> joy, how fun is that? That, that in, in these key components of the Advent season, that the Father would see it so fit that he's like, yes, joy. I want you to have a joyful camaraderie with each other as the body of Christ. That is so fun. That, that, that's like, I, I don't know if this is fitting, but I'm going to roll with it anyway. I think of this, this like, I don't know, image I saw online somewhere, these two nuns talking about, and it has a quote. It says something like, um, spirituality doesn't have to be boring. It's meant to be fun or something like that. And these two nuns are in a snowball fight. It's one of my like favorite things of like we don't think of that we you know I've heard I didn't go I didn't have nuns as my teacher in high school but I remember dad talking about that scenario where his memories were largely of like rulers on knuckles right like that's not that no that's not how it's wired to be but those are the negative things uh, uh, penetrate our memories for some reason so much more I want to think of nuns out there playing in their their habits right I think that's what the gears called their their uniforms and and having snowball fights with each other he says joyful camaraderie both with each other and with me he wants us to be fun and then love Okay, so we get to light this one for the first time today for the year. And we're going to dive into love today. So, and, then, and then as we've done this, each week we've looked through the lens of some different um, character, some very real person that has lived, and we get to look through the lens of their life to help us see a model of what that particular focus has looked like. And so this week, we're going to look at Mary. So we have a short little video we're going to show. As long as I can remember, we'd been waiting for the Messiah to come for us. My family, our tribe, our whole nation. I always knew that he'd come, but... (laughs) Well, let's be honest. It's not like I'm from Jerusalem or someplace special. I'm just a girl from Nazareth. And everybody knows that not much good comes from Nazareth, never has. I thought for sure that Angel had come to the wrong house with his announcement. 
But if that's what God wanted, well, who was I to tell him he was wrong? And Joseph, well, God bless that wonderful man. He could have joined in with everybody else. He could have had me sent away. He could have even had me killed. But he just never broke the promise to marry me. And so when he had to go to Bethlehem for the census, I was honored to ride by his side. Even with heartburn and bloated cankles and nine months of pregnancy behind me. <laughs> you know those women who try different things to induce labor, like going on frequent walks or eating spicy foods? What they should do is go on a bumpy 70-mile trip to Bethlehem not long after I got there and I'd never done this myself but even I know it was time and with every wave of pain I tried to ignore the fact that my family wouldn't be there to help me and that I'd be bringing this baby into the world without the familiarity of home But when Jesus finally came, I forgot all of that, though. I just wrapped him in cloths and tried to make the most comfortable bed I could for him with the only thing I had, which was an animal's feeding trough. Joseph said I should have been sleeping then, but I couldn't stop staring at him. world. It's always been that way. But as I look down at my son, <laughs> my redeemer, I knew that he would change everything because he'd already changed me. in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this be? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the, whole, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
So the baby will be born with will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Mary was given an invitation to live a life of love in a similar way that opportunity is there for each of us. Will you pray with me? Father, every year we're drawn back to this narrative and we're blown away at your love for us. That while we were yet sinners, you put this plan into place that you would send your son to come into our broken world and the mess that we've created. The mess that we created. It wasn't your problem that you had created. It was our problem, but it was your problem because you cared about us. And you cared enough to say, I'm going to send my son, my one and only I'm going to send them right into that mess. The mess that they fully deserve. But this is the only way to set things right. We praise you for that today. Amen. So it was finally time for the first promise of God to be fulfilled. Sin would soon be forever defeated, but first, the Savior had to be placed in his mother's womb. Can you imagine how excited God must have been as he sent an angel from heaven to reveal his plan to Mary? Look, look what's about to go down. This was the moment thousands of years in the making. Think about Mary, young and humble, but favored by God. When he sent the angel to her side, he sent him with words of love. He let her know she was chosen and she had no reason to fear. Lisa, orange slide. Before she had time to doubt or let insecurity creep in, God gave Mary the confidence she needed to walk out his purpose for her life. On, as Christmas approaches, I want, I want you to put yourself, as we're just a few days away, as we're continuing to pr prepare room in our hearts, I want you to put yourself in Mary's shoes. Think about how incredible, maybe even overwhelming it was for her to discover the extent of what God had given her, what her God-given purpose was. That, that, it feels a little bit bigger than some of the asks he's given me, some of the invitations he's given me. This was a doozy, but what a holy moment, and it changed the trajectory of her life. An angel of the Lord comes to her and gives her news that God wants to use her and has invited her to do something really big with her life. It's important to realize that 
just as he has had this divine purpose for Mary, God has a a divine purpose for you. Just as he chose her and entrusted her with great plans, he's also chosen and entrusted you. He wants to do something miraculous in and through you. My hope is that today you might ask God and that God might reveal what he's created you to do. And that you'll be confident that he'll, he'll equip you to do it. Courage. I love how she just has this courage to step in. And it's kind of like this rally moment of like, let's go. Like we had a, we had a, a fundraising banquet for the Youth for Christ that I work with, um, work for. And uh, we, we do an ask, right? When you go to these fundraising dinners, one of the big there's a reason why you're there. You know, there's many reasons they want to invite you, but they want to invite you to get involved in some way. And it, during the, uh, the ask portion of it, the invitation to give, um, you, know, you want somebody to come up that can be really dynamic and really communicate clearly. And the dude that we had this time is one of my board members, and he's a, a wrestling coach, and it shows through and through that he's, he's a motivator. Um, but he yelled, let's go, twice into the microphone in, in the middle of this ask portion, and it was amazing and incredible, and people left fired up. But I just kind of sense that moment of like, God's been waiting for so long to, to send this angel, and then the angel gets to come and communicate this, and then Mary's response is kind of like that, Okay, let's go. Like, I'm ready. I'm fired up. Let's run, run down the field and make a tackle. Maybe it was a little less violent than that, but that's my analogies, right? And so I, I think of this scenario of like, okay, this is, it's time. It's go time. Let's do this. The anticipation, the moment that we've been anticipating for, that God had been anticipating for to, to set this plan in motion is happening. Let's go. But what if Mary says no? Yellow slide, please, Lisa. Mary chooses to take the stance that God can do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. She's got to be thinking, like, what? Me? Now? Like this? It doesn't make any sense. But what if she says no? What happens? What, what does the world miss on? Like, I don't know. Does, does he, like say, well, you know, it's kind of happening whether you want it to or not, and she goes begrudgingly, or does, does she, like, take off running and then um, get swallowed by a fish and then three days later get spit out? You know, we saw that narrative play out one time. Or, or does he just say, okay, you weren't willing. I'm moving on to the next. I'll find somebody else, you know? I don't know. I don't want to know. That's a what if that I'm not interested in finding out because I'm so thankful that Mary said yes. Mary said yes in her moment. Let this be your moment. Pray today about what God might be, what is your next yes? My word of the year, and I shared this earlier in in the year. If you were here, we we did a little message on um, choosing a word of the year to kind of allow and invite God to speak in. And there's a a kind of a fun process through that. If you haven't done that, I would encourage you. I'm probably at least five years into that um, doing that. But my, my word of the year is anticipate. And this phrase has kind of guided my heart and my mind through this last year, and it's have the audacity to enjoy this opportunity for what it could become. I think a lot of times it's so easy to get like a, a, a doomsday approach, like we are anticipating the inevitable bad thing that's going to happen, right? Well, what if we don't think like that? What, what if we have an expectation 
that God is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he'll do. What, what, if, we, what if we live in that way? What if our lives reflect that kind of demeanor, demeanor and heart posture? If we, if we live like that, what might be on the other side of our next yes? Mary could have had no idea, more than you could ask or imagine. She could not have dreamed up this scenario. This is, this is, this is the creator of the universe type stuff, thinking up a scenario like this. Mary makes it seem so easy. Angel Gabriel tells her that she'll give birth to the Son of God, and she responds with immediate surrender to her role in God's plan. Not always me. I mean, what was Mary thinking? She had no assurance of a comfortable outcome. She was a virgin engaged to be married. She likely knew how difficult giving birth and raising Jesus would be. The only assurance Mary received was God's word. Yet, it was enough for her to say yes. What if, in your life, what if the only assurance you have is God's word? Not a comfortable outcome, not anything else. Just that God is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he'll do. In 1 Peter 1, the Apostle Peter says that through trials we face, the genuineness of our faith is revealed. Through the trials we face, the genuineness of our faith is revealed. God frequently asks of our trust through really difficult times. Through difficult times, through uncomfortable times, through seemingly impossible circumstances, he says, trust me. Trust me. That's your invitation to trust me. Bob Goff. Anybody heard of Bob Goff before? Okay. He's a pretty famous author right now in Christian circles. Um, If you have not read his book, Love Does... Buy it today. If you have not read his book, Everybody Always, buy it tomorrow because you'll finish Love Does Today and you'll want to read Everybody Always tomorrow. Really, really good stuff. Well, he tweeted about me this week. You know, this big name Christian guy actually tweeted about me this week. He didn't use my name, but he was clearly referencing me when he said, I've spent my whole life avoiding the experiences Jesus said he would use to help me grow. I have spent my whole life avoiding the same experiences that Jesus said he would use to help me grow. How often do we respond like Mary? It can be easy to let our questioning of God get in the way of what he desires to do in and through us. Are we letting our questioning get in the way? Are we letting our doubts, are we letting our negative what-ifs Are we not hopeful in anticipation that what if he is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he'll do? Blue slide, please, Lisa. We may want to be refined, but are we willing to say yes to God and walk through the fire? We may want to be refined, but are we willing to say yes to God and walk through the fire? And this comes from a, the, the imagery from like a fine metal, right? You put metal in the fire and all the impurities melt away, so you just have that, that metal left. That fire burns, right? That fire hurts. That fire scorches. That fire isn't easy to go into. It changes, our, it, it changes us. Think of like a a coppersmith or something, right? Like things can't get bent without that heat. 
I need to be bent. Mary couldn't possibly understand all that was on the other side of her response to God. But she trusted him. She didn't have every single thing figured out or or every contingency. No, she just said, okay. If this is what you're inviting to, I trust you. And as a result, God brought Jesus into the world through Mary. That offered us forgiveness for our sins. It offered us the mending of a brokenness in our relationship with God. Her yes has impacted every single person who has lived. Think about that. Since that day, every single person who has lived, their life was impacted by her yes. I googled her name this week, the name Mary. Do you know that Mary is the single most common name given to girls? And it's not even close. In the world, across you name it, it's not just that it wasn't like a U.S. searcher. In the world, Mary is the most common name, and it's not even close. Patricia is like way below. That's number two, by the way. I, had, I didn't, would not have guessed that. So whoever is Patty comes in second. Mary is like, it's almost three times as much, and it continues to be decade after decade after decade. That's a pretty significant indicator that her yes to her invitation to trust God has been a pretty big deal. And yours can be too. She said, yes. She said, I'm in. She said, let's go. What challenging task of love has God placed on your heart? Where is he, where is he inviting you to love next? Is it mending a broken relationship? Is it deciding to stop just going through the motions as a believer and, and put your faith in action? Is it acting bravely to ask someone at work when you get a sense that, hey, maybe I should pray for them and actually pray out loud? That, that just maybe the God of the universe might fill that room, that cubicle with his Holy Spirit or wherever you work, that just maybe he'll show up. Maybe it's that act of courage that, that that's the next task of love that he's giving you. What does stepping out in faith to walk in his purpose look like in your life? What's your next yes? Whatever it is, take heart in knowing that on the other side of your yes to God is an outcome greater than you can imagine. Something else that's cool to point out about Mary, um, her trust in him wasn't just kind of a follow the marching orders kind of trust. She didn't say, okay, I'll go through with this, but not really thinking he said what he said would come about. That wasn't, that's not the image we get of Mary. That's not what happened. No. Mary trusted with a heart posture and an attitude of belief. Something powerful happens when we trust God enough to not only hear what he says, but also believe it. And what's cool is he will help us with that. Uh, there's scripture that talks about, Lord, help my unbelief. God, I, I want to believe this. We, and that's, that's what's really cool, this transformative work. It doesn't have to rely on our own strength and our own giftedness. It has to just say, God, I need your help in this. And he's faithful to do that and to show up with that. If you believe what God says is true and that his plan for you will lead to the best possible outcome, that trust results in a peace and a blessing. It's a total game changer. 
After Mary encountered the angel and, and submitted to God's plan for her life, she visited her cousin Elizabeth, right? We read that in the story. Um, Lisa shared that. She visited her cousin Elizabeth, who was miraculously pregnant after experiencing infertility for years. Like that, that's not something to glaze over either. Sometimes you just, we, we think about how miraculous it was to have um, th- this virgin have a, have a baby in her belly all of a sudden. Well, there's also this other scenario where this lady that was way beyond childbearing years, she gets to have a kid too. When Elizabeth heard Mary's incredible news, you know, these two women are talking like, look what, God, look what God's doing in our lives. She was filled with the Holy Spirit and declared, Lisa Greenslide, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Blessed is she who has believed. She was blessed for the believing portion of that. Mary believed God when he said she would give birth to the long-awaited Messiah. And he blessed her with peace. She could have been full of anxiety. Gosh, I, I wasn't even the one carrying our children, and I was filled with anxiety during those. We never had nine months, but we had eight months for each of them. But during those months, there were, there were times when, in, in more so than I'd ever experienced, it's not like I've, I personally haven't wrestled with a ton of anxiety in my life. There's been moments of it, but not seasons of it except when Abby was pregnant with our kids. There was just like this bizarre worry. It was like the enemy was trying. No, Mary didn't have to deal with that. She was blessed with a peace. She didn't have to be filled with that. Instead, she was confident that the birth of the Savior of the world, her Savior, her very own Savior, would be worth any trial she would face along the way. Mary trusted God's plan. And move forward believing his promises would be fulfilled in her life. What is that in your life? Think about the incredible result of Mary's belief. The Son of God was born. She couldn't have imagined that. What has God spoken over your life that you can't imagine, but that you need to believe today? Is it that you need to finally let down your guard and allow his love to come in? Is it that you need to develop some perseverance and commit to making Jesus first in your life, even when things suck? Is it that you need to ask for a new heart that not only follows along, but also believes that he's worth giving every last bit of yourself to? Is it that you need to develop some courage to begin to share the good news with people around you? I heard a, a story this week of this lady that led a uh, Bible study out in California. And I wish I could, I, I wasn't planning on sharing, so I didn't bring the notes. But this lady that it ended up being like thousands and thousands of, of kids ended up coming through this. One of them was a guy named Billy Graham. Another was a guy named Bill Bright, like, pe- like people who founded ministries like Campus Crusade for Christ. Like the, there were five that they projected it was like a billion people they had shared the gospel with and people had come to know Jesus because of this, this Sunday school. 
I don't even, even after hearing the story, I don't know her name, and she'd, she'd be cool with that because it didn't matter. She was faithful to saying yes to what God invited her to, and she showed up, and she taught Sunday school week after week. She didn't know Billy Graham was going to go travel the world preaching the gospel, and Bill Bright was going to start this organization that was going to help people in these really crucial years of finding themselves on university campuses, that, that, that he would lead this organization of infusing gospel into those campuses. She didn't know that. She just knew her next yes was prepare another Sunday lesson and show up with some kids. Mary had a holy moment when the angel came to her. She had this rally moment, and she's like, yes. What if today is your moment? What if today is your moment? If it's, if it's time to trust in his plan, to receive his peace, knowing that he knows what's best, maybe it's time for you to look forward for the blessings to come. Maybe the best, best part about this love is that it's unfailing. That, that it, you know, maybe you feel like, gosh, I think I missed my moment. I missed my moment 10 years ago or th- three weeks ago. Or, well, here's a new moment. This is your next yes to Jesus. What's cool about this is it's for all the moments. He, he, he's there for you, for, whether it's plenty or thin or ups or downs or excitement or discouragement. He's there in that. I love, like, we, we read this 1 Corinthians 13 passage about love and, and how unfailing it is and all the things that it overlooks and, and goes around. We read this at, like, weddings, and we read it at, we, we don't read it at, you know, where we... we We don't always read it when it's challenging and we don't want to hear it. We read it when we want the warm and fuzzies. We don't want to read it when we hear, this is, this is something that actually could help me account, be held accountable to what love is because love is so much more than a feeling. Love is, love is a feeling and a choice. And so when we read 1 Corinthians 13, we, I, we have this, this perfectly outlined deal of what love is. That's the invitation that, that, that Mary modeled for us, but that Jesus gave us in this. Read that and think, what's the most challenging scenario? What pops out to me this time when I read 1 Corinthians 13? Spend some time with that. It's not just a Valentine's Day passage. It's not just a wedding passage. It is a no day in, day out, thick and thin kind of love. I, I think about, we have a three-year-old right now who is a pain in the butt. And I love everything about that kid. But if I could count the times a day, like this morning, I'm in church and I'm preparing to come up here, and Abby gives me a, like he's doing, and I hear him, I hear him yelling, open this now, open this now, open this now. Jesus was a three-year-old, okay? Jesus was a three-year-old. We all were three-year-olds. We have those days in our life when we are the difficult one to deal with, okay? It doesn't say anywhere that Jesus was like absolutely perfectly behaved child. My guess, I love the little like, I don't know if it's called a meme or what, but the thing that goes around Facebook every once in a while where Jesus is standing, baby Jesus is like standing, he's three-year-old Jesus, right? Standing on top of the water in the bathtub and, and Mary's like, get in the water. And he's like, no, and he's walking on the water, right? He's like, I'm going to guess Jesus was a pain in the butt three-year-old. There are times when you're like scratching your head and banging your head against the wall and you don't know like, it's just, Mary, you are, you are identifying with my stories right now. I love this. <laughs> there were times when it was really stinking hard. And whether it was hard because she's just a tired mom of a little kid, 
I mean, he, he was off at the temple, and they're out of town already. And they're like, where is he? Where, is, where did Jesus run off to now? Terrifying, right? Even in a beautiful season like Christmas, it can be difficult to see how God is working in our impossible situations. Today, I want you to let both of these miraculous conceptions remind you of God's power. Think about Jesus and Elizabeth's son, John the Baptist. That baby that was born to that lady that was way past childbearing years became John the Baptist. How their births, the births of these two children, that totally impossible womb situations, became the birth of these two children who changed the world forever. Literally changed the course of history. God can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine in the midst of our impossible circumstances. What is a situation that you think, I have given up on that? Nope, that's not one. Guess what? Wrong. Wrong. It's time to give your situation to him. It's time to trust that he will be faithful. And should be encouraged today because God's love never fails. God, we thank you for that. Because we fail a lot. We know what failure is. We know the brokenness of this world. We know how people disappoint us. We know how we disappoint them. We know how we, we disappoint. We are not unfailing. We are full of failing. But in you, we can meet what unfailing is. Worship team, will you please come up? I think that's missed my cue. I forgot to cue you earlier. Make room this week for, for him to come in and show up. I don't know what your next yes is. I don't know what your, sorry, I don't know what your next piece of invitation is. Maybe one of these words, maybe you just need to hunker down with one of these words for a little bit. Hope. Peace. Joy. Love. Where is it that God wants to minister to your heart? And say, God, what are you inviting me to? What's my next yes? Because God, I want to I be used like Mary. I want to have an impact. I want you to do things through my life. We're going to um, do one more song. We're going to collect our time.